Hi everyone, my name is Diego Andres Lopez, I'm a second year student in Dr. Stein's group and today I will talk about the mineral composition of commercially available feed phosphates. As an introduction, phosphorus is the second most abundant mineral in the body and to be delivered to pigs we have two options. Use plant ingredients which have a low digestibility of phosphorus and this is due to the presence of phytate. Phytate is the natural storage of phosphorus in plants and is a molecule that needs to be broken down with the use of an enzyme called phytase. But phytase does not occur naturally in the gastrointestinal tract of the pigs. The second way to deliver phosphorus is by using inorganic sources of phosphorus that have a high digestibility of phosphorus. Some of the ingredients that can be used for this purpose are monocalcium phosphate, monosodium phosphate, magnesium phosphate, and from now on I'm going to refer as MCP for monocalcium phosphate, MSP for monosodium phosphate, MGP for magnesium phosphate, and DCP for dicalcium phosphate. First, the production process of feed phosphates will start with the raw material of phosphate rock, and this can have two different origins, sedimentary or volcanic. The main difference between those two origins is the presence of different minerals. In the case of sedimentary, we will observe mainly francolites, whereas in volcanic, we can find fluoropatites and hydroxyapatites. And the difference between these three minerals is the composition or the presence of impurities. As you can tell, in francolites, we can observe more minerals, and it's important to notice that carbonates can decrease the concentration of phosphates and this could decrease the concentration of phosphorus in the final product. After we obtain the phosphate rock, it can be treated with sulfuric acid to produce phosphoric acid. And then phosphoric acid will be used in a second reaction with calcium carbonate to produce DCP and MCP. It is important to explain that DCP and MCP are names of two ingredients but are also names of two molecules. And in this case, this reaction will occur from calcium carbonate and phosphoric acid to produce DCP. But if the reaction continues, we will produce MCP. This will be explained more in depth later. Therefore, the objective of this experiment was to test the hypothesis that the production process of feed phosphate will yield a product with a required concentration of phosphorus, low impurities, and a low concentration of potentially harmful minerals. For this experiment, we procured seven sources of MCP, four sources of DCP, two sources of MSP, and one source of MGP. And in these 14 feed phosphates, we analyzed macrominerals such as phosphorus, calcium, potassium, sodium, magnesium, and sulfur. Microminerals such as cobalt, copper, fluorine, iron, manganese, zinc. And for potential of harmful minerals, we analyze aluminum, arsenic, cadmium, mercury, lead, and silicon. First, I will show you the concentration of phosphorus that we obtain from these feed phosphates. And in this slide, you will find the concentration of phosphorus in MCP in blue bars, the concentration of DCPs in orange bars, and the concentration of MSP in gray bars also the concentration of MGP in yellow bars. For MCP, what we can observe is an average of 21 
0.91% with a standard deviation of 0.86, which is good because the regulation in the United States indicates that MCP has to have a concentration of phosphorus of at least 21%. But since MCP1 and MCP3 were obtained from Europe, this legislation does not apply and that's the reason why they have a higher concentration of phosphorus. In the case of DCP, we obtain an average of 19.18 with a standard deviation of 0.29, which represents a low variation, and these results were above the minimum required for DCP, which is 18.5% of phosphorus. For MSP, we obtained results of phosphorus for both sources that were above the concentration reported in previous data. And in magnesium phosphate, we obtained a concentration of phosphorus below the concentration reported in previous data. Now, moving into a concentration of calcium, what we can observe is a low variability in the concentration of calcium for MCP and from DCP. We can observe that the variation is a little bit higher. Now, moving into the explanation of why we can observe these differences between the concentration of phosphorus and calcium, we need to analyze the chemical structure of MCP and DCP. As I said before, it is important to have in mind that DCP and MCP are names of ingredients, but they are also names of molecules. And first, for dicalcium phosphate, this molecule has a concentration of phosphorus of 22.8% and a concentration of calcium of 29.4%. In the process of production of MCP and DCP, DCP will be the first molecule to be synthesized. And this is because the high concentration of calcium and phosphor available will react in a ratio of 1 and 1, meaning that one calcium will be attached to one phosphate group in two different oxygens. But as the reaction continues, we can observe a decrease in the concentration of available calcium, and therefore two phosphate groups will interact with the same calcium, having a higher concentration of phosphorus of 26.5% and a concentration of calcium of 17.1%. Then, moving into the, the minerals that we analyze as impurities, we can observe that for MSP and for NGP, the concentration of sodium and magnesium will be high respectively because the source of mineral used in the production of this fifth phosphate will be high in sodium and magnesium. But for the concentration of magnesium in MCP and DCP, what we can observe is a small concentration with a high variability. Whereas for potassium, we can observe a low concentration with low variability. And for sulfur, we can observe a low concentration with some variability, and this is due to the use of sulfuric acid in the process of production of fit phosphates. Moving into microminerals mineral concentration, for the sake of time, I will not include all the minerals that we analyze, but I will show you the tendency of all the results. For copper, we obtain low concentration with high variability, the same as for iron low concentration with high variability. In this case, monosodium phosphate concentrations were non-detectable. It is important to notice that some of the minerals that I'm showing you can also interact with phosphates to create phosphate salts, such as iron and aluminum. Now, moving into potentially harmful minerals, 
for the results of aluminum, we can observe again a low concentration with high variability and is the same for all other potential harmful minerals such as arsenic, which I'm showing in this case. With all this concentration of minerals, we can draw a picture of a sample in our head that will look something like this. A sample with a concentration of phosphorus, calcium, magnesium, and all other minerals that I mentioned before. But in reality, what we can observe is something completely different. Yes, we will have all these minerals, but we can also find some elements that we cannot analyze, such as oxygen, hydrogen, and carbon. And we also have to take into consideration that all these minerals and elements will be interacting with each other, creating compounds such as monocalcium phosphate, dicalcium phosphate, phosphate salts such as aluminum phosphate, ferrous phosphate, magnesium phosphate, and monosodium phosphate, and also some molecules that will not contain any concentration of phosphorus, such as calcium carbonate, and we can also find some of the minerals interact in ways that we cannot predict without more analysis. With all this in mind, we also calculate the phosphorus bound to impurities in the sources of MCP that we use in this experiment. And for this, I would like to set my slide. First, in the graph on the left, you will find the concentration of phosphorus bound to impurities as the concentration of total phosphorus in the sample. Whereas in the graph on the right, you could find the phosphorus bound to impurities as a percentage of the total phosphorus bound to impurities. Starting with ferrous phosphate, which will be represented in blue, then red will represent aluminum phosphate, yellow will represent magnesium phosphate, black will represent sodium phosphate, purple will represent phosphoric acid, and then the phosphorus bound to DCP will be represented in orange, and the phosphorus bound to monocalcium phosphate will be represented in blue. As you can observe, the phosphorus bound to impurities is less than 10% in most of the samples, except for monocalcium phosphate number 7, and with a low variability on the impurities that we can find. Moving into DCP, we also did the same process, and we obtained results for also iron phosphate, aluminum phosphate, magnesium phosphate, and sodium phosphate. And in this case, we also include a molecule called hydrated dicalcium phosphate, which is a molecule of DCP, but interacting with a molecule of water. What we can observe is that there is a higher variability on how phosphorus will be bound to MCP or DCP molecules, but again, the impurities are in a low concentration. Now, doing the same process but calculating the calcium bound to impurities, we obtain results for calcium fluoride in green, calcium sulfate in yellow, calcium carbonate in red, and again, the calcium bound to DCP will be represented in orange, and the calcium bound to MCP will be represented in blue. What we can observe here is that mainly the calcium that will be bound to impurities will be bound to calcium carbonate, which is expected since the process of produce MCP will be stopped after the product can reach a concentration of phosphorus desired. Moving into the same calculations for DCP, we also observe the same molecules, calcium fluoride, calcium sulfate, and calcium carbonate, and in this case we also include hydrated dicalcium phosphate. As you can tell, 
the concentration of impurities are a little bit less variable in DCP, mainly because the calcium carbonate in this case is more abundant. Now, moving into my conclusions, we observe that the process to produce feed phosphate is effective to remove most impurities. And this process will also yield a product with a minimum concentration of phosphorus. Also, the concentration of potential harmful minerals will always be below the levels of tolerance of these minerals in the animal. And then, we also observe that there is a variable concentration of other minerals. However, these minerals are in a small concentration, and since these feed ingredients are used in a low concentration in the diets, this presence of minerals will not be harmful for the animal. With that, I would like to acknowledge Yara for the financial support of this project. I would like to say thank you also to all the people in the Monogastric Nutrition Laboratory of Dr. Hans Stein. And if you are interested in nutrition or in to know more about feed phosphate, please follow us or listen to our podcast. Thank you so much.